I actually don't know what number is this. 239.5. All right. Sound of Hockey podcast, episode 238.5, coming to you from American Airlines. Is it arena or center? Center. Center. American Airlines Center in Dallas, the the basic economy section where uh, you're last to board the arena. You do not get an overhead luggage um, space and you have to pay money to use the bathroom. Uh, Happy to be joined by Everett Fitzhugh. It's a, uh, a tradition unlike any other where Darren and Everett get together and do a little mini podcast episode on the road. Happy to be with you, Everett. Always a pleasure, man. I love when you get on the road. It's been a couple times uh, uh, this year that we've seen you on the road, so this is fun, especially now in playoffs. But you you also have to know that if tonight doesn't go well, you're, you're done. You're kicked off, my friend. Just like that. You know, but I've been on the road for both wins and losses, and also I was there for Game Seven in Colorado. So, Ooh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know how you can really blame me if they lose tonight. Like, there's no, there's no common thread of me being. Now the New York trip, I went to three games. They lost all those, so I accept that one. But I would just like to say, if they lose tonight uh, in Game Four, Game Five, what are we on? Game Five. Um, I take no responsibility. Well, and, and yes, you were there for for Game Seven, so uh, I will I will give you the mulligan there. You've totally redeemed yourself, and and you're back in our good graces. I love it. All right, thank you. Um, so I have some questions prepared. Um, first off, Everett, how is fatherhood treating you? Fatherhood is the best thing that has ever happened to me. Uh, my little guy Wesley is 11 and a half months now. It'll be 12 months on. Uh, March or March May 31st which if my timing is right I'm almost positive that should be game one of the Stanley Cup finals potentially could be game one of the finals so that could be a fun birthday present for him but now he's good he's walking starting to walk he's crawling eating everything I miss him though on the road we FaceTime all the time and he's grabbing the phone tries to eat the phone um, but now it's good man fatherhood is going really really well my wife's a superhero watching him at home and let me go on this crazy ride known as NHL broadcasting. Yeah, see, that's what I was kind of wondering about is like now we're in the playoffs here. Yeah. So I would guess you probably didn't think that you would be going this far. But is there kind of a weird balance of like you're you're rooting for the team to win, but also you probably wouldn't hate if you were home with your kid, right? You know what? Yes, you're right. And, and, and I'll, I'll say this right now. I want us to go as far as possible. I want us to go all the way and, and, and continue to – to grow the game and and invite more hockey fans in Seattle to to this sport, but you're right, you know, you you do miss your family, you miss your kid, you miss your wife, and the regular season's different because the schedule comes out in August. You can plan for these trips. You know that, hey, coming up in February, we're going to be gone for a week. How are we going to deal with it? But now in the playoffs. Game seven in Denver, you go straight to Dallas. And, of course, I packed for six days, but, you know, it still wasn't planned. So you're happy to keep going, but it was uh, it was fun couple days back in Seattle. Uh, we got to be a family of three for the first time really all year, which was fun. And, uh, yeah, I, I miss home, and I'm enjoying this ride. But once this ride does come to an end, I do know that I still have a pretty good, uh, pretty good consolation prize waiting for me at home, and that's to – to be a full-time dad and husband for the summer. All right, well, you heard it here first, folks. Everett is predicting that the Kraken will eventually lose, so 
Just kidding. Just kidding. I imagine that the travel also is quite similar to your days in the ECHL, right? This travel is actually a lot better. Uh, let me tell you right now, I would much rather... When I'm complaining about a four-and-a-half-hour flight from Seattle to Dallas as opposed to a 23-hour bus ride from Cincinnati to Fort Myers or 18 hours from Cincy to Allen, Texas, you're doing something right. But uh, I, I will say, though, a lot of fun in the ECHL. Those bus rides, the cards are going, you got the TVs on, like it's, you're in tight quarters, but it was fun, but I wouldn't trade, uh, I wouldn't trade the NHL life for, for anything. I love that. Um, I remember you telling me a story about the bus breaking down somewhere like in Georgia or yeah. something and guys were getting like, like treatment on the side of the road and yeah. stuff like that. Right? Yeah, we were, we were on our way to Fort Myers, uh, 20 hour bus ride ended up taking about 27 hours, uh, because we broke down outside of some, you know, bumble scum back road, uh, town in Georgia, pulled over to an abandoned gas station. And we're on the side of the highway. Guys get off the bus. Our trainer, she pulls out the table and is giving treatment on the side of the road. And then the bugs start coming. So then we have to get back on the bus because we're all getting bit to hell uh, by these big Georgia mosquitoes or whatever they were. But no, those are the stories, right? That was the fun part about being in the ECHL or when we're in Indianapolis leaving to to come back to Cincinnati. It's a 90-mile bus ride. We run right into a snowstorm, have to pull over into a Walmart parking lot. Our bus driver's white-knuckling 25 miles an hour. So we pull over into a Walmart parking lot, sleep for the night, wake up at 9 a.m., leave. We have a game at 2 o'clock that day. So we go right to the rink. I go home, change real quick, come back to the rink, and uh, we won that game 3 nothing. And then my other weird bus story, we had a 3-3 three and three, uh, Fort Wayne Indianapolis or Indianapolis Friday, Fort Wayne Saturday, Brampton, Ontario Sunday, which is about an eight and a half hour bus ride. Sounds sounds wonderful. One, that sounds like a wonderful trip. Eight and a half hour bus ride from from in, from Fort Wayne to Brampton with the border stop. So that was another 50, 50 minutes. We get into Brampton at ten a.m. for a two o'clock game. We win that game three <laughs> two. Sounds amazing. Uh, it all sounds amazing to me, but uh, I'm sure you're happy to be happy here in the NHL at this. So happy palatial American Airlines basic economy center. Um, it, it is a little crazy that we are here, though, right? I mean, at this stage of the season, you know, I I think back to you and I doing a very similar thing, watching the Anaheim Ducks uh, do their morning skate. Now we're sitting here watching the Dallas Stars waiting for the Kraken to come out um, beginning of the season. And uh, I think we predicted an 82-0 season for the Kraken. We weren't that far off. Um, but did we really believe that we were going to be in this position in round two, tied two to two against the Dallas Stars, having beaten the defending the defending Stanley Cup champion? Like, how do you kind of wrap your head around all that? So, to quote the great Kevin Garnett, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you that coming into this season, for me, my bar was five hundred competing you know you're playing meaningful games in march late in the year you know look at the year that ottawa had look at the year that detroit had they were they were in the playoff race until you know three or four weeks into the uh with it with uh three or four weeks left in the season so that was kind of my goal but for this team the goalposts are allowed to move right you go through october you go through november and you're starting to think man this team is actually a lot better 
than than people predicted. They're scoring by committee. You don't have the superstar. We don't have a McDavid, a McKinnon, a Robertson, a Pavelski. We don't have that guy, but we've got 18 players who are capable of scoring. So then you go through December. You have a little bit of a slip up in December. That um, uh, Eastern trip, the Tampa, Washington, Carolina trip, that one doesn't go so well. You come back, you lose a handful of home games, and then you get to that long road trip in January. And for me, that was when I said, if the Kraken can come out of this road trip, was seven games, they can win four of these games, points in five or six, couple overtime losses. All right, then this team may be for real. Well, they swept their way through that entire road trip. So now I'm thinking, this team's kind of nasty. Like this, this team are they? Are they? Are, are they nasty? They may be nasty. Are they nasty? So you're now saying that a 500 goal. Now you're like, you know what? This team has to make the playoffs. And Dave Tomlinson and I, we were talking all year long. Like second half of the season, we're getting to a point where it's going to be really hard to mess this up if you're Seattle. Like, we're entering historic collapse territory if you don't make the playoffs. And this team just kept winning. And a lot of folks are waiting for that other shoe to drop. When is that shoe going to drop? And it reminded me a lot of Calgary, right? We were waiting for Calgary to pick it up. Like, they had a slow start. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's going to come. It's going to come. Well, it never came. And the shoe never dropped for Seattle. They kept winning. So I think in the beginning of the year, I would have called you crazy. We'd be sitting here in round two against Dallas after beating Colorado. But come Christmas time, come the All-Star break, that bye week, you go back out east, you lose those three games in New York, but then you come back and you still put together wins. Now I'm thinking to myself, you know what? All right, this team could probably do it. So the goalposts moved for me halfway through the year, and then the playoffs became the goal. All right. Well, that was um, excellent. Long answer to me saying it's a little crazy that we're here. So thank you for that. Very. <laughs> Listen, you know what you get when, when you bring a radio guy on, right? Like I, John Forsland's got the, the the easy job, right? He gets to narrate what you see, right? He, it's it's like it's like the, the the masters. Okay, Jim Nance is one of the best to ever do it. You can see it. I'm just adding my peaceful voice to the soundtrack. I have to paint every single piece of 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 what you're seeing. So when you have a radio guy on, you're going to get long-winded answers. That's good. My no, it's, it too. It's there's fine. a reason I, I keep asking you to do these things, you know. My wife um, hates it too. It's fine. <laughs> she's not listening. She's it's not fine. Listening. Um, we, uh, we talked a little bit last night about the construction of this team yeah. and how interesting it is that, you know, there isn't really a, a good comparable in at least in recent history to, to the Seattle Kraken and how they're, how they're built. And, and it is really fascinating. And one thing that kind of struck me is they, they basically won that whole, well, not the whole first round. They won the first round though, without Jared McCann, right. Who's their top scorer. And I, I was thinking like, how did they, how did they manage to do that? And it's like, well, that's just how they're built. Like it doesn't matter if they lose one guy, you know, there is no one guy in their lineup that can um, really sink them. You know, they, they lost Andre Burakovsky who's their top scorer for half the season. He hasn't played in any of these playoffs. They keep going. Um, I think that's really the, the beauty of this team is like by being so balanced and so deep, it doesn't matter if they lose one or two guys. Do you agree with that? I 100% agree with that because you look at Burakovsky, he had 10 points in his last 19 games before injury. So it's not like the Kraken lost him and his hair was on fire, right? Jared McCann had one assist in the playoffs before that hit from Kale McCarr, 
yeah, your 40-goal scorer, you're thinking, oh, man, this is going to be a pretty pretty tough loss. But for Seattle, it's been that next-man-up strategy all year long. And when you have a team that can shut down the Matty Beneers line, it's all right. Tolvin and Gord and Bjorkstrand are going to pick it up. You've got 46 points from Daniel Sprong, who played 11 and a half minutes a night. Uh, Brandon Tanev, his first 30-point season of his career, uh, and he's been 95% on the fourth line all year. So when you have players who can beat you up and down the lineup, it's no surprise to me, and I think you're starting to see a shift. This this year may be a, a good test and a good case study for NHL teams yeah, McDavid's nice. Yeah, you know, all these big superstars are nice. But look at Seattle. Like, they were able to win. They were able to go on a deep run. Hopefully this run keeps going with no superstar. You had Jared McCain, who had 70 points. Uh, I look at all these top 50 lists in the NHL that uh, these the writers do and all these publications do. There's not a single Kraken player in the top 50 on a lot of these lists. But they're still somehow finding a way to continue to role uh, through through the NHL. Uh, Everett, what is goalie interference? So goalie interference is is like that ambrosia salad that you get on your Thanksgiving table. No one really knows yeah. what it is. It's just it's just there. You have it. Yeah. And and we don't know who brought it or it's it's Aunt May's thing that she just brings every year. We don't know what it is. Um, so goalie interference is ambrosia salad. Um, I, I don't know. I If that wasn't goalie interference, I really don't know what is. And if you're going to try to tell me that Philip Grubauer initiated the contact by preventing Ben from coming into the crease, how many times do goalies do that? They put their hand up, but that's, that's the contact there. But there were like six points of contact. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It was crazy, and and the thing about it is, like, we can't put that whole game four no. on on goalie interference, right? The Kraken were flat out not good enough through, especially through two periods. They had ten shots on goal. Like, you're not going to win a playoff game playing like that. But they, I mean, when you think about it, it's a six three final. But there's a there's an empty netter in there. If you take out the empty netter, it's a two goal game. And there's a two-goal swing on that goalie interference because they also took a penalty for the failed challenge, quote-unquote, failed challenge, even though I thought they should have won it. Um, it just, it's its shocking and um, maybe not shocking. It's exactly what I would have expected to happen, probably. But but it's a little frustrating when you think back that, like, even when Seattle didn't have its best game, uh, Dallas was very much the more desperate team. They were the better team. They deserved to win 100%. But Philip Grubauer played pretty well in that game, even though he gave up five goals in the end. Um, he played pretty well to keep him in there. They could have stolen that one if it weren't for that freaking goalie interference thing that's a big piece of it I, I do think but I look at the Jared McCann shot back in the first period his first shift uh, that forced Ottinger to make a big save I look at the Alexiak uh, off his skate uh, just yeah. deflected wide so but but you're, you're bang on I mean the Kraken did not lose that game because of a goalie interference they lost that game because they had 10 shots through two periods they lost that game because collectively they were disconnected and I and I can't point to one player and said, man, 
he had an awful game. He's the reason why this team lost. Individually, there were no, in my opinion, individually, I don't think there were any terrible performances, but just together as a, as a unit, they weren't good enough. And, and Adam Larson told me going into Game 7 in Denver that the team played Game 6, they were too tight. They were playing like a team that had something to lose. And as cliche as it sounds, the Kraken are at their best when they're light, when they're they don't take themselves too seriously. They're they're up ice, they're pressuring, they're not shortening their bench. You could really tell that Seattle was playing a bit tight back there in Game Four. So hopefully here in Game Five, uh, for them they they get back to to Game Five last round. It was it was a fun, energetic, exciting game in Denver, and Seattle really kept uh, the the Avalanche on the on their heels. I think for the Kraken they have to do that here again tonight get back to what makes them successful uh i mentioned philip grubauer he has been studly yes. i would say in this uh in this playoff run I, I don't even know what i should ask you about on philip grubauer but um he's like this you know remember in um there's the the chris farley sketch where he's interviewing paul mccartney and he's like <laughs> hey remember when you did that thing wasn't that awesome that's yeah. like how, how i am right now with philip grubauer like yeah. hey philip grubauer like don't you think he's pretty cool that Philip Grubauer is so hot right now. Um, no, he he in my mind has I think silenced all of the quote unquote goaltending controversy that people wanted to 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 bring about this regular season. It was it was a long year for him. It's been a long cracking tenure for him. I think it's not been where he expects it to be, where he wants it to be. But I think. That Avalanche series was the perfect thing he needed going up against a familiar team in a familiar building. Um, And I think he has now cemented himself as the number one goalie on this team. I think coming into next year, Martin Jones is a UFA. Joey Decord down in Coachella Valley is a UFA. Um, you know, what do you do? I know the Kraken just signed uh, Coco to uh, to the, the entry-level deal. But I think the number one goaltending spot, for my money, is locked up with Philip Grubauer. And, and for me, all of these performances that we're seeing in the postseason, whether it be Philip Grubauer, whether it be Jamie Alexiak's play as, as he's kind of quietly, I think, been one of the best players for this cracking team in the postseason, I'm, I want it to carry over to the regular season. I want, it, I want to see how he performs on a random Tuesday against Ottawa in November, right? The, the stage is big. The moment is big here. And I'm anxious to, to see him carry that over to the regular season next year. But no, I mean, he's been, he has made saves that, you wouldn't expect a goalie to make, and he's matched Jake Ottinger shot for shot uh, seemingly so far in this postseason in this series. I mean, I kind of think he's outplayed Jake Ottinger, being honest. Who Who is your, so aside from Grubar, who is your star on this team for this playoffs? Oh, my goodness. That, you can only pick one. I can only pick, can I pick the team? No. That's one, though. It's like one entity. Uh, like one. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Let's see. So, you know what? I'm going to go... Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. I mean, Eberle's got the big goals. Yanni, uh, you know what? I'm going to go Jamie Alexiak. He has been quietly this team's best defenseman in the postseason. He's not showing up on the score sheet every night, but that's okay. 
He's playing with a chip on his shoulder. He's playing with an edge that we haven't seen him play with. Um, he's using that big size of his to his advantage. You know, I, I, Jamie Alexiak and I are very similar. We're both lovers. We're not fighters. Okay, we're big boys, but you know, we want to cuddle. Jamie is 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 really showing off and using that size of his and he's making smart plays he's using the long reach to disrupt plays and he's blocking shots it's very quiet and like you you, you want to look at the score sheet and say well Ellie Tolvanen's scored you know uh, uh, Jordan Eberle's got the game winning goals Yanni Gore yes the offense aside though I think for what it takes to win a playoff series Jamie Alexiak for me has quietly been that hero I, I appreciate the image, the like cuddling images that we just had there. Um, I would so I would go Yanni Gord, and the only reason is because I think that they've given him such hard assignments, and he has, you know, it's not so much that he has like scored a million goals or whatever because he hasn't. I think he only has what one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they absolutely lose that uh, that Avalanche series if not for. Yanni Gordon and and but you know his line too right that Tolvin and Bjorkstrand together, um, but also I just think that he's like the the stirrer in the drink there. So that's I was my say that whole line yeah because they they're finding ways to score and get offense while having to deal with McKinnon and Rantanen and Robertson and Hens and Pavelski. So they're having to shut those guys down defensively while also still finding ways to score. Um, another thing we talked about last night, and this will be my last question for you, Everett. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. We discussed that. It, I mean, I know we know the Kraken are never going to lose again. No. We know this. They're never going to lose. Um, but eventually, a new season will come next year, and the Seattle Kraken are going to want to get better. Uh, their top nine forwards are all under contract. What are some ways that they can actually get better? Do you think next season? Well, I, I think for me, um, I, I would love to see more grit. On this team, I would love to see, uh, you know, a, a Luke Shen type of player, an Austin Watson kind of, of pot stir. You know, Matty Beneers is only getting better. He's only going to get older. He's going to get bigger and stronger, but you need a guy to protect him. You know, you've got guys like Jared McCann, Jordan Eberle, who, who are now, um, you know, coming into their own here as members of the Kraken. Burakovsky, you would imagine, going to come back full uh, strength next season. I'd like to see Seattle go out and get a heavier body, you know, someone that can protect these guys and can can lay the muscle. This is not an overly physical team, and we know that. I would like to see this team get a bit more physical. And also, if you're not going to practice it over the summer, you got to go out and get a guy that can win your face-offs. I mean, the face-offs have been the polarizing topic of this postseason. And Seattle, fortunately and thankfully, has been able to, to fight through and survive through those face-off issues. But you're going to need someone who can come in and win draws for you consistently. Yeah, the face-off piece is, is really interesting. That's such a challenge. It's not something that you can just like figure out overnight, right? We, there's a reason that the Kraken continue to lose this face-off battle game in and game out. But it will be an interesting offseason. I feel like there's... You know, there's not a ton of room to make a bunch of moves. Um, it almost feels like they might have to trade some players away to create the space if they really do want to shuffle things up. I don't know if they'll want to though, right? Like after how this this uh, off or this this postseason has gone, 
they might like what they have too. So we'll see. But um, anyway, Everett fits you. Thank you so much for your time. The Kraken are about to take the ice here for uh, morning skate before game five at the American Airlines uh, bathroom, like rear lavatory center, I think is what it's called. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. This was fun. I love this, man. 